Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10, if you would, please. Luke chapter 10. Today's message is the sequel to last Sunday's message, though, so it's part two of Jesus sending 70 disciples into cities, villages, and towns that he would soon be visiting himself as he makes his way to Jerusalem. As we discovered last week, part one of this section was all about preparation. Last week we looked how Jesus gathered these 70 uh, and prepared them for the ministry that they would be doing, and he talked to them about the how and the what of evangelizing. And if you missed that message and you'd like to catch up on it, you can go to our website, which is themissiondsm.org, and under the resources tab, you can find all of our previous messages and you can catch up on that one if you like. Today, as we move into part two, today's message is all about celebration. It's all about celebration, celebrating the great and mighty works that God did through those 70 disciples as they faithfully followed the instructions given uh, by their master, Jesus. So let's read the passage and let's discover what all the rejoicing is about. Beginning with verse 17, Luke chapter 10, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, despite all that, do not rejoice in those things. Do not rejoice necessarily in the fact that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour... He, that is Jesus, rejoiced himself in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And they desired to hear it and they did not hear it. Now, as we discovered last week, Jesus is sending out his disciples into these cities, villages, and towns, places that he intends to visit as he goes along his way to Jerusalem. And given the fact that they are traveling by foot and or by animal, as they are now returning, we can assume there's been several weeks perhaps a month, perhaps a month and a half, maybe two. They've been gone for a little while, and so uh, they are now beginning to filter back in. And as the 70 begin to filter back in, uh, they are very eager to share their experiences. Now, Luke doesn't give us a lot of what they had to say. We know they said more than the one sentence that is recorded for us. And as I look at some of the instructions that Jesus gave, I can kind of uh, forecast, I believe, some of the things they would have come back saying. For example, 
I am confident as they came back, they spoke about how the people that they preached to, many of them opened their houses to them, fed them, clothed them, helped them. Because remember, Jesus said, I want you to go with absolutely nothing but faith that God will provide. And the people who will open their door, uh, their hearts to you, they will provide for you. And I'm sure that they came back saying, Lord Jesus, it was just like you said. We took nothing and yet we lacked nothing. I'm sure that they said that. No doubt, because Jesus said, I want you to go and heal, that they came back talking about some of those healings, some of those miraculous things that took place that astounded not only the the 70 themselves, but the people who were standing around and the people who benefited from it. And no doubt, they spoke about those who did open their hearts as they boldly proclaimed the message of the kingdom of God as they went along. But the singular statement that Luke records for the benefit of Theophilus and thus for us as well is they're rejoicing that even the demons are subject to us in your name. What a thrill, honestly. What a thrill it must have been to experience the supernatural power of God uh, working through their thoughts and working through their actions. I still remember the very first time that God used me to lead someone to faith in Christ. It was an exciting moment. I had heard all my life about these preachers and evangelists and missionaries and aggressive congregants who were out sharing the word and actually were seeing people come to faith. It never happened for me, but the reason it never happened for me because I wasn't out doing that either. So uh, you got to be out in the field for something to happen, right? But I was beginning to venture out into the field at this point in time. And I remember uh, on a particular night there in Athens, Ohio, that God opened the door and allowed me to lead someone to Christ. And I want to tell you that when that happened, it was absolutely electrifying. I, 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 I couldn't wait to get home and tell Connie about it. I couldn't wait to call my pastor the next day and tell him about it. I couldn't wait to grab a hold of my best friend, Benny, and tell him how all this had gone down. And I was really excited to tell my mom and dad because they had always hoped that I would get on the stick and do something for the Lord. And so I was just excited. And uh, it was a great thing. And the reason I was excited is because there is nothing like knowing that the Spirit is using you to to do the work of God's kingdom. I want you to take notice of how Jesus responded to that statement. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And what did Jesus say in response? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I don't know about you, but I find that to be a little bit of an odd response. Uh, I think if people came in here and said, hey, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike, we went out, we did this, we did that, and we did the other, I would say, hey, that's awesome. Tell me more about it. But Jesus' response was, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know, it's a little bit hard maybe to understand why, why he said that and what he meant. But honestly, if you take the time to look into the context of everything that's going on here, it's not that difficult. Let me tell you what he wasn't saying. In that statement, he was not looking back to the original fall of Lucifer from heaven and making reference to something that had happened millennia ago. Now, it is true that when Satan fell and was kicked out of heaven, the Lord Jesus was there. He witnessed it, right? But that's not what he's referring to, nor is he looking forward to the day when Lucifer will ultimately, Satan will ultimately meet his demise. But what it is, it's a statement of acknowledgement. When he said that, he was simply acknowledging what they were saying. Jesus is acknowledging the success of the 70. 
He's acknowledging how the authority that he had given them and the ministry that they had done had been effectively dismantling the kingdom of Satan, one soul, one healing, one exorcism at a time. That's what he's talking about, is that as you are out ministering, I'm seeing the kingdom of Satan taking hits. And he's celebrating with them. I want you to imagine this morning your son or daughter is playing on a local basketball team and they come home one night and uh, they tell you, uh, Dad, Mom, guess what? Man, I'll tell you what, we won the game and not only that, I scored 40 points tonight. I was hot. I couldn't miss. Now, what would you say in response to that? I'm sure you would say all kinds of different things, but if you're like really cool and into the language of the day, you might say something like, wow, honey, you made it rain down there tonight. (laughs) Okay, now, if you said that, are you talking about the fact that there was water falling from the ceiling? No, it's a way of celebrating. It's a way of saying, you know what? Yeah, you were just pouring those buckets in. You were just raining down score after score after score. That's what you'd be saying. In the 70, they came rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. And Jesus joins into the celebration saying, yes, yes. I, while you were there, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But that's not the only kind of interesting statement he makes. He follows that one up. Uh, by talking about the spiritual authority that he had given them. And as he speaks about that authority that enabled them to have a successful campaign, he says something about serpents and scorpions. He says, I gave you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions. Now, just as much as Man, you made it rain today as a metaphor for something other than water falling on the ground. Back in that day, speaking of serpents and scorpions was also a well-known metaphor that spoke of evil forces. And specifically in this context, Jesus would have been talking about the evil forces that stand against God's work and redemption of redemption and restoration. So when you read that statement, don't get too motivated to run out of here looking for snakes and scorpions to step on and then claiming this verse as the biblical basis for you doing that because I'm here to tell you that if you go out stomping on snakes and scorpions, most likely we're all going to be meeting here having your funeral and I'm going to be talking about the danger of misappropriating scripture because that's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about the authority that he had given them to tread, to work against, to stand against the evil forces that obviously would come against them. And Jesus celebrates, we see, with the disciples their accomplishments. But as any good mentor does, when their mentee or their mentor, mentees <laughs> come back bragging and, and uh, crowing and, you know, and and celebrating something great that has happened, like any good mentor would do, we find Jesus, after celebrating with them, bringing them back to earth, so to speak, reminding them of the most important thing. Yes, you cast out demons. Yes, you healed people. Yes, people responded to the message of the kingdom of God. But listen, that's great, and that's wonderful. And hee hee, go team, that's great. But listen, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. What he's saying there, in essence, is that the greatest miracle of all is the redemption of your own sinful soul. 
That's the greatest miracle that anybody could ever experience. And you know, sometimes we we forget about that. Sometimes we find ourselves in life and or ministry with everything going great, one amazing event after another. And if we're not careful when things are going like that, we can begin to think that the success is what we should be focusing on. The success is what we should be raving about. And if we think that way, if we allow ourselves to think that all the, all the offerings were up, 20 people walked the aisle, man, they were burning that stage up with music this morning. Oh, this and all, parking lot's full and the other one's full as well. I mean, wow, it's just great. Hey, when we start looking at all those kind of things and think that's what we should be celebrating, we are in an unfortunate position because that is not what we should be celebrating. Those are great things. But that's not what we should be celebrating. You say, pray tell, what should we be celebrating? We should be celebrating our relationship with Jesus. That's what counts. That's what makes the difference. Let me tell you that there's nothing greater, better, or more noteworthy than the fact that God in love and mercy gave Jesus to pay our sin debt and then raised him from the dead for our eternal life. If our name is written in the Lamb's book of life this morning, then that is the greatest miracle of all. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.